We're just sitting there enjoying our gelato and all of a sudden we hear some arguing going on. So I look over and this guy is arguing with another guy and he walks right in front of me, goes over and grabs a bottle off the ledge. I'm like, oh, what a nice guy. He's picking up his trash before he storms off in a rage. Well, he turns around and starts walking back towards the other guy who's yelling at. And all of a sudden, the other guy who's looking at somebody else, he turns around and the guy who picked up the bottle smashed it over his head. I was like, what in the world? And it like literally smashed. Like I've never seen someone smash a bottle before, but I feel like it's one of those things where you think it's gonna look cool, but it actually just like bounces off and you're like, oh, that was boring. But this like shattered and went everywhere. And so I was like, um, I think it's time to go. And what time does our train leave tomorrow? And welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me here today. I'm really excited about today's episode. I finally get to talk about traveling to Italy. Um, Italy is a place that I've wanted to visit for quite a long time, and I feel like most people, um, you know, Italy is one of those places where they either want to visit soon or have already been to. Um, there's just so much to do, so much to see, um, whether you're into art, ancient history, vineyards, whatever it is, there's so much to do in Italy. Um, and yeah, it's just a great overall place. We spent 15 days there. Um, and although that was a great amount of time for what we did, um, you know, I definitely could have spent a lot more time there, gone to quite a few other places as well. Um, so over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to do a few different episodes over Italy. Today, I'm going to focus on Venice, Milan, and Pisa, which were the first three cities that we visited in Italy. And then I'll do at least one more episode, maybe two, um, over Rome and Florence. So we'll see if I have enough info to split that into two or not. We'll, we'll check that out once we get there. Um, so my route through Italy was Venice, then Milan, then Pisa, then Florence, then Rome. And, you know, that's a pretty solid route, you know, for two weeks to see quite a bit of Italy. You know, you start up north and down south. You can also go the opposite direction, you know, starting in Rome and ending in Venice. And actually, when I planned this trip a few years ago, that's how I had planned the route was starting in Rome. Um, and it really just comes down to what's the cheapest way to get into Italy and what's the cheapest way to get out. Um, I think I saved maybe 30 bucks a ticket going into Venice and out of Rome instead of vice versa. And that's really the only reason I chose to go that direction. Um, also, I mean, if there's something that's not open on a certain day and so it doesn't work with one route and you need to flip it and go the opposite direction, then, you know, that's something that might sway your route as well. Um, but, you know, for two weeks in Italy, uh, I think those five cities is a good amount. I, had, I never really felt like I was too rushed. Um, so it was, it was a great time. So I already mentioned in the last episode, flying from London into Venice was quite a fiasco. We sat on the airplane without AC or anything like that for like over an hour. Um, it was pretty miserable, but we finally got off into the air and landed at Marco Polo Airport. Um, it was around like 10, 1030 or something like that. It was way later than I wanted to get there. You know, I have that sort of rule where I always like to get a new place when it's daytime out. Um, and so we had originally got, we were supposed to get there around seven, 
um, at night, which is still kind of late, but it worked with what we were doing. Um, so getting there at 1030, I was like, oh, this is not ideal. But, you know, it, it worked out. And Venice, although it's, it seemed a little sketchy, I was like, how much crime can really happen here when you're on an island? It's like, you know, if something bad happens, you, you can't really get away. So that kind of comforted me a little bit. It might have been a little naive to think that. But anyways, we got around safe and sound in Venice, even though we got back pretty late. Um, so... Flying into uh, flying into Venice, you fly into Marco Polo, which is actually about like a 30-minute drive from the actual island of Venice. So I always just thought Venice was just like the town or whatever, but there's actually a whole bunch of different islands, and Venice is just like the main island. Um, so you know there are day trips where you can visit these other islands. We did not have time to do that, but definitely check that out if you have you know multiple days in Venice. Um, there are a few different options to get from the airport to the main island, um, and one of the main ways is to take a bus, which is what we did. It was super cheap, super efficient, super easy to figure out. Um, you can also take a water bus, um, which is pretty expensive and kind of slow, or you can take a taxi, which is really expensive, um, but probably the quickest option. I think that was maybe like 100 or 80 euro or something like that. Um, and our bus tickets were maybe like 15 euro or something like that. Um, the tickets were super easy to get. You just go to one of the kiosks in the airport, buy your ticket, um, and then head out and find the right bus. Um, and there were plenty of people around to kind of help you out. Um, and, you know, it wasn't too difficult to find where you're supposed to go. You do have to validate your ticket, which is kind of weird because, like, you just bought your ticket and then you try and hand it to the lady and she's like, put it in that machine right next to me first. I still don't understand validating tickets, but it is what it is. So validate your ticket, show it to the lady, and get on the bus, and you're good to go. Um, getting to there, the main station is the Piazza Roma. So like whenever you're looking for tickets to buy, that's the one you want to buy. Um, if you take a train into Venice, let's say you're going the opposite direction and you're ending in Venice, the train kind of puts you off at the same spot. So both starting spots are pretty pretty much right next to each other. Um, so the one thing about Venice that I really never knew, I suppose, was there are like no roads at all in Venice. So once you get there, be prepared to walk a lot. There are different, you know, methods besides walking. You can obviously take the gondolas um, or there are water buses, water taxis, um, but those options are very expensive. Um, and not that efficient in my opinion. Um, the water buses, you know, they might be just a few euro for wherever you're going, but depending on, you know, how many stops you are away from your destination, it can take you an hour to get from one side of Venice to the other. So you might as well, if you're up for it, walking, um, because you might get there quicker by walking and you didn't have to pay anything. So we walked everywhere. Um, and you know, it is not the easiest walking. I mean, you have all these bridges you have to climb over, um, and stuff like that. Um, so I, you know, if you are older and don't like to walk, maybe just make sure you're staying closer to, um, the Piazza Roma or something like that. Um, or just be ready to pay a little bit for your water taxis and stuff like that. Um, there are like these actual water taxis that are speed boats that are a lot quicker. Um, I 
do not know how expensive they are because I did not even attempt to take one of those. Um, so once we finally got to um, Venice that first night, we started walking uh, to our hotel. Luckily, I had told the hotel we were going to be there pretty late. And so they had, you know, given us a code to get in and everything like that. Um, it was like a little over a mile, I think, and it took us maybe like 45 minutes to walk there just because of how slow the walking was. Um, but like I said earlier, even though, you know, it was, it did seem a little sketchy at times, I never really felt that unsafe because once again, it's like we're on an island. So, you know, if something does happen, they can't really get that far. Um, but just there are so many like narrow little alleyways and little canals that it is, you know, just watch out and be smart uh, about what you're doing there. Um, so that first night, checked in, went to bed. It was already pretty late, like close to midnight by the time we finally got to our hotel. So we we're pretty exhausted. Um, the next day we got up, uh, we slept in a little bit and then we headed over to St. Mark's Square. Now, St. Mark's Square is like the main area in Venice. Um, St. Mark's Cathedral is there. Um, there's the Bell Tower, that's where the Doge, Doge's Palace is. Um, so there's quite a bit to do and see in that one little area. I wanted to get to St. Mark's as soon as they opened, if not before, so that I didn't have to wait in line for very long. But since we did sleep in and everything, um, we did not get there quite when they opened. I think we got there maybe an hour after they opened. And there was quite a bit of a line. I think we probably waited in line for 30 minutes or so, which isn't terrible, um, but it was pretty hot and there was absolutely no shade at all. So make sure if you don't want to wait in line, get there super early. And if you don't mind waiting in line, just know that it's probably going to be pretty hot. So <clears throat> once we got to, got inside the cathedral, you had to pay uh, I think it was like five or six euro to get inside the main cathedral and then there were all these extra things that you could buy while you were at the cathedral. Um, I do not believe that you could buy those tickets in advance. Um, I bought so many tickets in advance because I didn't want to have to wait in lines and I'm pretty sure this is one where you could not buy tickets in advance. So just know, you know, you're gonna have to wait in line to buy your tickets. I guess if you bought um, like a special tour or something like that, but you know how I hate tours, so that was not an option for me. Um, so St. Mark's Cathedral was amazing. Um, everything was gold everywhere you looked. It it honestly reminded me of like almost a mosque, like how fancy and how um, just over the top everything was. Literally, the whole ceiling was covered in gold. Um, all the pillars were covered in gold. There were, you know, paintings and things like that. It really just reminded me of like some Turkey, like almost like the Hagia Sophia or something like that. Just how over the top and well done everything was. It was really beautiful. Um, the paintings were amazing. Um, the tile work was great. Um, it was definitely until, um, until St. Peter's in Rome, this was definitely the best church that we visited uh, in all of Italy. Honestly, the entire trip, that was the best church that we had seen up until that point on the trip. So going to St. Mark's Cathedral is definitely worth it. Um, now, in the back of St. Mark's Cathedral, there's something called the Palo de Oro. Um, and it's it's made out of ceramic, but it's just it just looks like solid gold, really. And there are these tiny little paintings on each of these little 
little nugget looking things that are pressed onto this board. And it's the, the altar back piece um, of the church. Um, and it's really beautiful. It's supposed to be like one of the best ceramic gold works, you know, from the mid centuries um, that you can see in the world today. Um, I think it cost maybe an extra six euro to go check that out. And that was one of the main things that I wanted to see inside the church. So I went ahead and paid it. Um, I'm not really, you know, it was really, it was beautiful. And it's a once in a lifetime thing and it's $6. So you might as well do it. Um, but one of the best parts was the fact that not everyone does that. And so you're kind of have the back quarter of the church all to yourself. There was like maybe, you know, five or six other people back there looking at the Palo de Oro. Um, and then I just kind of hung around for a few minutes and then that group left and I was kind of just chilling back there by myself. So it was really calm and peaceful compared to the busy scurrying around that was the rest of the main uh, cathedral area. Um, the other thing around St. Mark's is the bell tower. Um, and the bell tower is again an additional cost. Um, I really, I feel like they should just like bundle all this stuff together in one ticket, but once again, that wasn't an option. So you kind of just have to buy it at each individual stop. Um, going into the bell tower, once again, the line was maybe, it was a little bit shorter than the actual cathedral, maybe, you know, 15 minute wait. And you actually get to take an elevator up to the top, which is great. Um, because it was super hot and didn't feel like climbing stairs at that point. Um, and so going up to the top of the bell tower was really cool. And one cool fact about that is Galileo um, lived in Venice at some point in his life and actually took his telescope up to the top of the bell tower um, to study the stars. So that was a cool fact that I did not know until I was up there and there was like a plaque on the wall saying Galileo was here. And I'm like, that's pretty cool. Um, so that does give you great views of all of Venice. You, I mean, it's a 360 thing, um, and you can just see, you know, all the different canals. You can see some of the different islands, actually. Um, so it's really cool. I definitely recommend. I think it was only like, you know, six euro as well. Um, so probably over the Palo where I'd recommend, you know, if you want to buy two tickets in one day, I would go into uh, St. Mark's, and then I would also go into the Bell Tower for the views. You can also climb to the top of St. Mark's, um, but we did not do that. I re I'm really not even sure what is up there, like if there are things to see other than just the views, because the views from the bell tower are definitely better than the views from the top of the church. So, I mean, if it's just one of those things like you climbed onto the top of the church, then sure. Um, I might want to do some more research to see, you know, if there's other things up there. Um, but that's definitely an option of something that you can do as well. Uh, now, right next to St. Mark's is the Doge's Palace. Um, we did not go into that, um, but that is something else that you can do. The Doge was basically the ruler of the Venice area back in the day. All of Italy was broken down into like these provinces. Uh, and Venice was one of the provinces and the Doge ruled the province. They had the little funky hat. Um, so that probably would be pretty cool as well. But, you know, we had, we were only in Venice for one whole day. We had parts of three days. Um, so we were kind of strapped on time in Venice. Also, if you didn't know this, it's called St. Mark's because that was like their patron saint. 
Um, and according to legend, I don't know how legendish it is and how factual, um, but Venetians at one point went to Alexandria, Egypt and stole St. Mark's body and brought it back to Venice. And so apparently St. Mark is buried in St. Mark's Cathedral. Um, and so he's their patron saint because some Venetians robbed Alexandria of a body. So pretty interesting fact there as well. Um, okay, so right next to the Doge's Palace um, is also what's called the Bridge of Sighs. And this is one of the more famous bridges in Venice. Um, and it goes from the Doge's Palace to the prison. And so basically, um, either they had to walk across it after they were sentenced or before they were being executed, one or the other. But basically, whenever you were walking across it, you were just sighing because you were probably going to die or something. So that's why it's called the Bridge of Sighs. It's really beautiful. It's actually totally enclosed. Um, so it's kind of like a tunnel across the water. Um, and it's really pretty, really cool, and one of the top um, bridges in all of Venice. So there are a couple of other fam famous bridges. The Rialto Bridge is possibly the most famous bridge in Venice. It's really large. There's like shops on the sides of the bridge. Um, it has a great view down the Grand Canal. Um, this is on the more northern side of Venice, and so it is about a 30-minute walk maybe from the south side of Venice, the south side of Venice, where um, like the Bridge of Sighs and St. Mark's and things like that are at. Um, but it's definitely worth, worth the walk, and I mean just wandering around Venice is pretty cool in and of itself. So the time will pass, you know, no problem. Um, but I definitely recommend going there. We went at sunset and it was a beautiful sunset. Um, the sun was setting like down the Grand Canal. Um, so it was really beautiful. You know, there's restaurants all up and down the side of the canal. Um, and of course the gondolas and all that kind of stuff. So definitely worth um, walking over to the Rialto Bridge. Also, I forgot to mention earlier in that day after we'd gone to St. Mark's and done all that fun stuff, we took a gondola ride and I mean this is one of those things where it's like I honestly wasn't really planning on doing a gondola ride but then my wife was like this is a once-in-a-lifetime thing like you can't go to Venice and not do it and I was like you're right so the gondola rides are pretty expensive I think they start off at a hundred dollars for the gondola so once again this is one of those things where it's like if you have a family of four and you want to do a gondola ride, then sure, that's like 25 bucks a person. But when it's just you going solo or even you going with one other person, that's $100 a person or $50 a person. And to me, that's outrageously expensive. Um, so what we ended up doing was we actually booked a gondola ride with like TripAdvisor or something like that. Um, and basically they just pair you up with a bunch of other people, which honestly, what we could have done is just randomly asked a bunch of random people to be like, hey, you want to split a gondola ride? And that'd be the best way because you're not having to pay all these extra fees because I think we ended up paying like $30 a piece um, to go on a gondola ride. Um, and then they put us with a other random couple. So there were four of us on there. So, I mean, it cost them $100 and then they made, you know, 120 or, you know, 130 or whatever off of us. So... It's a pretty sweet racket they have going, I suppose. Um, but that's 
you know, if there's only one or two, you, especially if there's only one of you paying $30 as opposed to $100 and still getting to experience the gondola ride, you know, I definitely recommend that. I think we were on the gondola for about 45 minutes. Um, I'm sure they just take you along the same route every single time. Um, but it was still pretty cool just to be out on the canals, to be in a gondola, and to say you were on a gondola ride in Venice. Um, some interesting things that I learned about that was the gondola drivers are actually, it's like a lineage of gondola drivers. So you cannot be a driver or paddler or whatever they're called um, unless your father was one or unless like your uncle had, like your uncle's kid didn't want to do it or didn't have any kids, then you could take his gondola. So that was pretty interesting that like every gondola driver can like trace their lineage up through the gondola driver lore so that was pretty cool so that was one day and that was a pretty full day and honestly you know we could have gone to the doge's palace i'm sure there's some other stuff we actually also i forgot to mention this the um uh the galleria academia is there as well um and it's a there's there are some of these academias all over italy um, but there are a few famous ones, more famous than others. Um, the Venetian one is one of the more famous academias. And basically it's just like the old art school of Venice and they've turned it into an art museum. And it's like, I think some of them still have, um, up until the past like 20 or 30 years, they were still, you know, teaching art at this gallery, but now it's just completely a museum. Um, so it was a, it was a cool gallery it was our first gallery in italy um it did definitely did not hold up to snuff to all the other galleries we went into in italy um but you know it got you out of the hot sun you know it got you into some italian art um and so you know if you're kind of just wandering around figuring out what to do stopping in there is a pretty good you know use of an hour or two it's also right next to the pont dell'academia bridge which, in my opinion, if it doesn't tie with the Rialto Bridge, it's like the top view in all of Venice. It was really beautiful. It looks, looks right down the Grand Canal towards the St. Mary's uh, Church. Um, it's really beautiful. We walked across, we had to walk across it to get to our hotel from um, the, the Roma, Piazza Roma. Um, and so that was like one of the best first views that we got of Venice. Um, so seeing it at night was really beautiful and then seeing seeing it during the day was also really pretty as well So you got three bridges to check out the bridge of size the Rialto bridge and then also the Ponte del Academia bridge is really beautiful So that was all in one day Everything we did in one day in Venice and it was packed. I mean we did get a late start, but we were going non-stop And you know honestly, I really don't think that there was anything else that I would have truly wanted to do in Venice except maybe take you know another day just to do it all in um, so we were there for one full day three days total um, and I really feel like that's a good amount of time uh, if you wanted to go to different islands you know just tack those as extra days onto your trip to Venice um, but three days in Venice was a pretty solid amount of time um, the third day we got up super early and we had to walk all the way back to the Piazza Roma to catch a train, um, and then we took the train to Milan. Now, all throughout Italy, we took 
Italia Rail, which is like the main national train of Italy. And I booked all of our tickets online in advance. Um, and there's like the local train or the regional trains and then there's like the long distance trains. Um, the regional trains are like just what you think about when you're taking a train. Like you just get on and you find a seat and who knows who's sitting next to you. There's graffiti on the outside of the train and it's like, <laughs> well, like, <laughs> it's a little sketchy. Um, and those are normally like an hour or two hour long train rides. The longer train rides are the long distance like high speed bullet trains. Um, and those are like super nice. Um, you have like a seat reserved. Um, and when we went, we picked like the quiet train. And so like there were no kids on the car. Um, like there was no one talking at all. It was just super relaxed. You could sleep, no problem. It was really nice. Um, so if you don't have kids and you can be quiet, I definitely recommend picking the quiet cars cause it's really nice. Um, and so, yeah, I also recommend, you know, getting your tickets in advance. You can buy them at the stations. And none of the trains that we were on were really that full. I think some of the regional trains were a little full, like the cars that we were in anyways. Um, but I'm sure you can get them at the station. I don't, I think they might've been like a Euro more expensive, like for a convenience fee, but just knowing that I have a ticket already, you know, I'll pay $10 for the entire, you know, Europe or the entire Italian railway tour um, to make sure I have all my tickets. The tickets were really pretty inexpensive as well. I think I spent $100 total, so $50 each for all of the train rides. And we took trains from Venice to Milan, Milan to Pisa, Pisa to Florence, Florence to Rome. So, I mean, that's what, five different, you know, train rides. And it was totally worth it in my opinion. Um, it was really comfortable, super easy. It's really nice too, like after flying so much where you know you just show up and then you don't have security, nothing. You're just like, okay, where's my train? Okay, there's, you show up like five minutes before you're supposed to leave and you get on your train and then it, like, as soon as your train gets there, within five minutes you're out into the city. So it's really cool, really convenient and I really recommend taking the train. I don't, I guess you could take a, like, I guess you could rent a car or something like that, which probably be even cooler. Um, but taking the train was super easy, so definitely recommend that. Don't be don't be scared about taking the train in Italy. So we took the train from Venice to Milan. We got to Milan. We were in Milan for three days, just like in Venice. We were there for one full day, three partial days. Um, and there's quite a bit to see in Milan. I mean, Milan is like one of the larger cities in Europe, actually. Um, and it's like, you know, a fashionista city um, or whatever. That's not that important to me when it comes to traveling. Um, so I was not too, you know, enthralled by the, the different stores and things that you could go into. But if that's something you're interested in, um, Milan is the place for you to be. Um, there were a lot of great restaurants in Milan, a lot of different pasta places that we went and checked out. Um, one of the main places is the Colonnade of San Lorenzo. And it's just like this strip of old columns, old ancient Roman columns that they've re-erected along a roadway. Um, and it's like right in front of a church too. And it's sort of like the local hangout spot. Like people will just be sitting there reading, chilling, um, just doing whatever. 
um, and it was like right next to our Airbnb that we were staying at, and so we would walk over there and kind of just hang out um, until the last night we were there, and some dude got a bottle smashed over his head, and then we're like, yeah, well, we're not gonna stay here any longer, and then we like <laughs> walked right back to our hotel, and we're like, yeah, we'll just wait here until we leave tomorrow. Um, so, anyways, the there's just so much to do in. Italy in general, and Milan is no different. There's a ton of different churches in Milan, which is one of my favorite things about Europe. You know, um, it's like no matter where you turn, there's like a really old church, and it's free, and you can just walk inside, and there's like art by some super famous painter, and you're just like, how is this in this just random church in Milan? And there were tons of examples of this. So we went into several different churches, um, I didn't even write them down to tell y'all because there's just so many. You can just turn a corner and there's another church for you to go into. And you never know what you're going to find either. It's like uh, going to a yard sale and hoping you find something cool. Like you walk into one church, you look in and you're like, oh, there's only like one or two frescoes. Lame. And you like turn around and walk out and then you go into another one. And then like the center dome is just like these beautiful frescoes. And then there's like statues carved by Michelangelo in the corner with a layer of dust on it and you're like okay like this is what I was looking for um and so you just never know what you're gonna find um I did not see a Michelangelo statue in Milan in a random church by the way so don't be on a treasure hunt for one um because I did not see one so that's not a hint for you to just, just wander around until you find one. um so anyways, that first day we, we were kind of just like exploring Milan in general. Um, we walked over to the Milan Cathedral, which is way impressive. Um, from the outside, I was just blown away by how large and magnificent that thing is. It looks amazing. Um, by the time we had gotten there that afternoon though, it was about to close and I wanted to like go to the roof and you know just really explore. Um, so we did not go that night. We kind of just wandered around Milan. Um, but going into the Milan, it's called the Milan Duomo, um, and it is huge. Um, we So the Milan Duomo, you can buy your tickets in advance, um, and we actually like walked to the Duomo, and then there was a line and to buy the tickets, and then we were like, we'll just buy them on our phone. And so we bought them like literally standing there in line to get inside. And then by the time we got up to the security, like we had our tickets and we bypassed the line. So buy your tickets in advance. And even if you don't buy them in advance, buy them from their website so you can skip the line to buy the tickets. So pretty easy. Um, there are a few different options. We bought the roof access tickets with the lift. So you can take the stairs all the way to the top or you can take an elevator to the top. Um, and once again, we were feeling lazy, and so we took the lift. It was like 20 euros a piece. Um, walking was 15 euros a piece. Just getting into the Duomo itself, I believe, was like $10 or 10 euros. So, um, you know, it was worth it just to, you know, pay the extra 5 euro and take the lift up to the top. Um, but anyways, going inside um, the... Milan Duomo was, it was magnificent. It was not, um, it was just so large. It wasn't even that it was so ornately decorated or anything like that. It was just ginormous that it was so impressive. 
Um, so like the columns were huge. It was just like this vast, it was probably the size of like a football field, honestly. Like you could put a football field inside of that Duomo. It was huge. Um, so it was really cool. They did have some impressive stained glass um, in the back of the cathedral, which I always miss um, and always like seeing when I go to Europe. Um, so definitely take some time to check that out. Also, there's a pretty cool statue, which I had seen before um, online when I was like researching stuff. And it's a statue, I don't even know who it's by, but it's of um, St. Bartholomew. Um, and according to church legend, he was um, skinned alive. Like that's how he was martyred. He was skinned alive. So the statue is really interesting because it's of this guy who's been skinned alive. So you can see like all his muscles, all of his like the sinew, all that kind of stuff. And then he's like, actually he has his skin like wrapped around him like a cloak. So apparently people used to like use the statue, like study anatomy and things like that. Um, but it's just a really interesting statue. Um, it's on like the right side of the altar um, at the front of the church. So don't miss that. It's one of the cooler pieces in the Duomo for sure, in my opinion anyways. Um, so climbing up to the top of the church was really cool as well. Um, there's actually like two levels to it. You can go to the first level and kind of like just walk the perimeter of the edge, the top edge of the church. And then you can climb up a few stairs and it actually takes you to like the ridge of the center of the church, which was really cool. Um, you get some cool views of the city from up there and you know, you can see all like, um, they're not gargoyles, I suppose, but they're just like different saints and things like that. Statues up there at the top, um, which is pretty neat. And I was just like being like, yeah, I was on the top of that church. You know, it sounds pretty cool. Um, so that was one of the highlights of Milan, uh, in my opinion as well. Um, right next to the Duomo is this like indoor shopping area called the Milan Galleria. Uh, I would definitely recommend walking through there. Um, there were a ton of shops. We kind of just walked through the main strip of it just to see what was in there and just check it out. Um, there's a pretty cool park um, in Milan as well that we kind of just chilled at for quite a while. We were walking towards um, the Castello Seco de Milano. I was probably terribly wrong, but you probably just type in like the castle of Milan or something and it'll pull it up. Um, the castle was really neat. You could buy tickets to like go inside the different museum portions of it, but you can just walk around parts of it for free as well. Um, and so that's what we did. Um, the park in between the Galleria and there was really nice as well. We kind of just sat around, there was like some live music playing, uh, and just, you know, kind of hidden the shade um, from the sun. Um, but the castle itself was pretty neat and I definitely recommend, you know, checking that out. Um, if you're in the area. Um, the last thing we did that night was we went to the Naviglio area. Um, and this area is, all this stuff is pretty, it's in a walkable distance. Um, I would say from where we were staying right next to the colonnade, um, walking to the Duomo was maybe a 20, 25 minute walk. And then walking to this Naviglio area was also like a 20 minute walk. You know, if, you, if you've listened to these before, you know I always like to stay next to what I really wanna see while I'm there. Um, and so in this scenario, there were 
quite a few different places that I wanted to go in Milan, but this gave me a good walkable distance to all these different places. So I recommend staying near the colonnade, um, even though there were some sketchy scenarios like the bottle being smashed over someone's head, I did not feel unsafe in that area. You know, just as long as you're smart, we were out, you know, after dark several times, um, getting gelato or whatever, and I felt totally fine. Um, so anyways, this Naviglio area, is there's like two canals that kind of converge at one spot, and there's like shops and restaurants all up and down these two canals. It seemed like a pretty happening place. We just kind of walked over there to check out the sunset and see what was happening. We had been told that it was a cool place to go. Um, and you know, it was really pretty down there. Um, and you know, if you wanted, you know, some cool nightlife or to go, you know, get some good food on a canal, um, that would definitely be a cool place to go. Now, although all these places I'm sure have sounded amazing, especially the cathedral or the Duomo, um, the main numero uno reason that I wanted to go to Milan was to go to the Santa Maria delle Grazie. Um, and this is the church that houses um, Leonardo da Vinci's original uh, frescoed Last Supper painting. Um, so this is, I mean, everyone's seen the Last Supper painting and this is like the original one um, painted on the wall of a church. It was actually like the church dining room where like the monks would eat and stuff like that. Um, so this is one of the harder tickets to get in Italy. Um, in fact, it's really interesting because two years ago I bought these tickets and I literally stayed up until like two in the morning. And as soon as the tickets dropped, I like bought the tickets and within like, you know, by the time I bought the tickets, they were sold out. Um, so I was kind of expecting it not to be quite as crazy this go around just because I didn't think as many people would be traveling. Um, and I don't know if that's the case because for other tickets, it was that crazy. Um, but the way that these tickets work, I'll go ahead and tell you now, they drop three months worth of tickets at one date. So for example, I went ahead and looked at the next drop, September 27th. So like that's what, a week away, something like that. Um, they're going to go ahead and drop November, December, and January tickets. And then I guess in like the end of December, then they'll drop like February, March, April. So you kind of, it's, it's kind of annoying because all these different sites that you want to buy tickets in advance, the tickets, you know, are different for each one. So if you are starting to plan your trip, you have to go in and I had like a calendar written down. It was like, okay, the last supper tickets drop, you know, next Friday at this time. And then, you know, the Coliseum drop at this time on this day. Um, so you really have to, if you really want a specific ticket, you have to, you know, have it all planned out and be ready to go because most of the big tickets will sell out, whether, you know, bought by individuals or bought by tour companies who will then try and, you know, sell them for a much higher price later on. So these tickets are some of those tickets. I think there's like 30 slots per time slot. Um, and it's really interesting. They only allow you to go in, well, hang on, let me go back to the, the buying the ticket part. So anyways, you can, they drop them three months at a time. They were 15 euros each, which is not that bad at all. Um, but like I said, I went ahead and looked for like October and October is already sold out. 
um, which they have been on sale for probably a couple of months at this point. Um, when I got on to buy them, I forgot what day they were supposed to drop. And so I got on and they had dropped like that morning. And so fortunately I was still able to get the tickets. Um, but as tourism starts to pick up even more and more and more, you know, you're really going to want to just be there when they drop. Um, so just be careful of all the dates. And I'm going to tell you all about all of the different tickets that I bought in advance and, you know, how, how long in advance they are dropped um, and things like that. Because some of these are pretty crazy. Um, I think I looked like a couple days later and the entire three months was sold out. So I got really fortunate there since I forgot the date that I looked on the day that they dropped. Um, so when you visit The Last Supper, they actually only give you 15 minutes in the room with The Last Supper. Um, and there's like uh, another painting on the other side of the room it's called like Christ the Crucifixion or something like that. It's also an amazing painting, honestly. It, if The Last Supper painting was not so famous, that painting on the other side of the room would definitely be the focal point of the room because it's so much more colorful. There's so much more detail going into what's happening. It's just a great, it's a great painting as well, a great fresco. Um, but The Last Supper is obviously iconic and it's just amazing. So um, they only gave you 15 minutes, but honestly, I felt like 15 minutes was plenty of time. You know, if they had told me I had all day there after 15 minutes, I probably would have been like, okay, let's go. Um, so really what I recommend doing is if you want to, as soon as you go into the room, go check out The Last Supper. And then after you've kind of like gotten up to the front, seen what you want to see, go back to the other painting. Make sure you check that out while you're there as well. And then, you know, with three or four minutes left, they have like a timer in the corner, like a basketball game, like counting down. Uh, when there's like a few minutes left, everyone's like there's pews and stuff and people are like sitting down just like looking at it. So that's when you can kind of go up and take your pictures um, and have no one really in the way. So it was really awesome to see and that's honestly the main reason I wanted to go to Milan. If that wasn't there, I probably wouldn't have gone to Milan. Um, the, the Milan Cathedral was really beautiful and that was awesome to see as was the Last Supper. But, um, you know, I would not have spent any more time in Milan. I was ready to, you know, peace out. As soon as we saw the Last Supper, we went and got our bags, um, took the metro to the train station and we were out of there. Um, you know, there, I'm sure, you know, if you're into fashion and designer stuff, things like that, um, you'll, you'll spend more time in Milan, but I was ready to, you know, see the cathedral, see the Last Supper, and I was, I was ready to go. Um, so, like I just said, Milan does have a pretty good metro system, um, and so we took the, the metro to the train station, um, and it was pretty easy to figure out. That's the one time that we rode the metro while we were there, um, but it went pretty smoothly, just like any other metro that you've ever taken anywhere else. <laughs> So after we um, got to the train station, we got on and we headed to Pisa. Now, one thing about traveling to Pisa is that a lot of people just take a day trip from Florence to Pisa. It's about 30 to 45 minute drive, bus ride, train ride. So it is doable to get up early one morning in Florence, take the train, take a bus, whatever, to Pisa, you know, visit the entire complex and then head back to Florence that night. Um, 
but I really wanted to spend the night in Pisa and I felt like I would have a better opportunity to, you know, get there early and things like that. I bought tickets for like 9 a.m. whenever they first opened and I knew that we couldn't make it from Florence there um, that early. And I'm really glad that we did spend the night for several different reasons. But the first reason, we got into the train station around like 4 o'clock in the afternoon and almost exactly like right when we got to our hotel, it started pouring down rain. So our hotel is like looking over basically the complex and so you can see like the baptistry and things like that. Um, it was just like lightning and the rain was pouring down, it was just beautiful. Um, but that like drove all the tourists away. All the tours fled back to Florence and we were still there. And the Leaning Tower of Pisa is in this complex that's like basically a public space. It's open 24 seven. And so, you know, I could go up and touch the Leaning Tower of Pisa at one in the morning and it's okay. So basically as soon as the rain stopped, we like got our rain jackets on and everything and we walked down there and we're just like strolling through, you know, the the Pisa complex all by ourselves. There was like four or five other people in this whole huge area. And we basically had Leaning a Tower of Pisa, the Pisa, you know, the, the baptistry and all this stuff just to ourselves. And it was really cool. Um, you know, you could take your, your typical leaning on the Leaning Tower of Pisa pictures without people in them or people laughing at you or whatever. <laughs> Um, so it was really cool um, and just to you know be able to be there at night just to see it you know at different times where a lot of people probably don't have the opportunity to see it was really interesting um, they had some great food in Pisa um, which was awesome we were t told by our hotel staff about you know a great pasta place and it was amazing um, and Pisa just seems like a quaint place that you can just kind of like wander around in um, and just see a lot of cool stuff. Um, so even though we got there late, like there wasn't a lot that we could see on that first night, um, but we were able to just kind of wander around, see some old buildings, um, have some great food, and then just enjoy, you know, the complex um, all by ourselves basically. Also, I had bought early morning tickets like 9 o'clock in the morning because we were leaving later that afternoon. And so we probably couldn't have made it from Florence to Pisa by 9 o'clock, you know, on a tour or on a bus or whatever. Um, and, I, you know, you just didn't feel like you had to rush. Like you just woke up at like 8 o'clock, you know, you walked across the street and you were there. So that was really cool. I definitely recommend spending the night there. I don't really see a negative to it besides, you know, you might lose a couple hours that you would have had in Florence. But honestly, let's say we got to Pisa at four in the afternoon. We were in Florence by four the next afternoon on a train. So, you know, maybe, maybe that four to nine o'clock, maybe like five hours or something we could have been spending in Florence if we had gone straight there. Um, but I highly recommend spending, you know, a night in Pisa. I think you get a better feel for Pisa without all the tourists there um, and it's just a different um, way to experience uh, an amazing landmark. So there are different ways that you can visit the Pisa site. Um, there are different tickets that you can buy. The all basically all-inclusive um, all ticket includes 
being able to go inside the museum. Um, you can climb to the top of the bell tower, which is the Leaning Tower of Pisa. You can climb to the top of it. Um, you can go inside the cathedral. You can go inside the, it's called the Camposanto, which is basically like the old um, cemetery. And there used to be a ton of frescoes. It's like a mile of frescoes or something like that that used to cover the, the perimeter of this Camposanto. Um, apparently in World War II it caught on fire and so they're like doing a lot of restoration work. There's still, you know, you can still see a lot of the frescoes which are absolutely beautiful and inside the museum you can see some of the frescoes. Um, so you, uh, and also the baptistry. So you can go into these five places uh, with this one taken in. It was 27 euros, um, which is kind of expensive, but I mean you get to do quite a bit with it. Um, for just 20 euros, is how much it costs to climb the Leaning Tower. Um, and then each individual thing is like seven euros by itself. So like if you just wanted to go into the baptistry, it'd be seven euros. If you just wanted to go into the Camposanto, it'd be seven euros. Um, the cathedral is free, but you still have to go get a ticket. So you have to like go to a ticket booth, get a free ticket, and then you can go inside the cathedral. So we went ahead and splurged, got the 27 euro, and we did go to all the different things. Um, and they were all pretty interesting. The Campo Santo was really cool. The baptistry was really pretty. Um, there were, it was like covered in gold, sort of like St. Mark's. Uh, it was really beautiful. It was a little underwhelming, I will say that. The, um, the Florence baptistry was definitely my favorite. It was amazing. Um, the baptistry there in Pisa was not... Um, that fantastic but it was very pretty um, and there was some great art um, inside the checkout. Um, the cathedral kind of the same deal it is impressive and it is beautiful but you know after Milan's cathedral and after St. Mark's it was definitely like okay the, that's <laughs> that's third place right there. Um, so basically those two things were not the greatest that we saw on our trip but they were still cool um, and you know really pretty as well. The Campo Santo was really interesting. Um, the frescoes along the outside of it, they're actually on the inside but they're on the outer wall if that makes sense. Um, but they were really well done, really pretty, just reading the history about it, reading the meaning behind all the frescoes. Um, you could see different tombstones and inlaid tombstones on the ground which were really cool, they were really old. Um, definitely that was one of the highlights of that whole thing um, and then obviously the leaning tower being able to climb up to the top of that was really awesome climbing up to the top you got a great view of the entire Pisa cathedral complex but then also of Pisa itself um, and once again this is okay when I was there I, it made me think of when I was in Paris and I didn't go to the Eiffel Tower and I honestly don't regret not going up the Eiffel Tower. Like I don't think, dang it, I should have gone up to the top of the Eiffel Tower. But it's sort of like the same idea. It's like, you're there, it literally cost, well, I mean, it cost 27 euros, so 27 bucks to do it. But I mean, that's why you're there, you know? You're not gonna, are you gonna go all the way to Pisa and then be like, I'm not gonna spend 20 bucks to do all this extra stuff. So I recommend going up to the top of Leaning Tower. It was really cool. You can say you did it. It was a bunch of steps. It was kind of tiring, but the views were great. 
it was super windy at the top, which felt amazing, like natural AC. It was wonderful. Um, but we literally just went up there and sat for maybe like 20, 30 minutes, enjoyed the views, um, enjoyed just knowing we were at the top of the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Now, for the Leaning Tower of Pisa, but to climb it, you do have to book a time slot. Um, and so everything else is sort of just like, do you have a ticket? Cool, come on in. But for that one, you have to pick an actual time slot. Um, and then you have like a window of like plus or minus five minutes or whatever. Um, you're not allowed to take bags, larger bags up to um, the top of the Leaning Tower, but they do have a baggage check um, where you can drop off your bags. So while we were there, um, for that day at least, they were sold out. I'm not really sure how long in advance you need to buy them. Um, I think I bought mine. That The Leaning Tower tickets were ones that I was not really concerned about because I've never seen them sell out you know, too far in advance. Um, but I would definitely buy them before you go. Um, maybe, you know, a week or two beforehand, just go ahead and buy this if you want to do the tower. Because while we were there, um, I was in the museum walking around, which was also really cool, by the way. Uh, I was walking around the museum and people were like, oh, I want to go to, to climb the tower. And it literally shows you there's like a screen and it has, you know, like how many tickets are left for each time slot in the entire day was sold out. So like if you had gone all the way there and you're like, I wanna climb the tower and it sold out and you're like, well, crap, that was my one chance. So definitely recommend, honestly, I recommend buying things in advance that you just know that you can't do without. So if you wanna do something and you wanna make sure you do it, buy a ticket in advance. It's pretty much that simple. Um, but I, you know, I bought those maybe a month in advance of our trip um, and there were plenty of time slots left and since I was staying there, it didn't really matter. You know, I had a ticket later that afternoon at like four o'clock to head to Florence, but you know, I could have climbed the tower at nine in the morning, which we did like the very first time slot, or I could have climbed it at, you know, two in the afternoon. It really didn't matter. So it just gives you a lot of flexibility when you're staying there. And when you're traveling on your own, like, gosh, I, love traveling on my own so much more than traveling with the tour because I have the freedom of being like okay I want to do this I want to do this I want to do this and I don't have someone you know constantly like okay we've got five minutes left or whatever um I've I've I have a few friends uh, at my church who are going to Rome and they're talking about how they have one day in Rome they're taking a cruise and they have a one day in Rome and they're like trying to get my advice. I'm like, what can we do? Can we do the Vatican? Can we go to the Colosseum? Can we do all this stuff? And I'm like, that is crazy. Like I would never do that. Like <laughs> to be in that scenario where you only have one day to see like one of the greatest cities in the world. Like that's crazy. Um, so just being able to do this stuff like on your own is so much nicer. Just the flexibility that you have. Um, I definitely recommend it. Um, so after that, we walked back to the train station. The train station is like maybe a 10 minute walk um, from the Leaning Tower, the Pisa Cathedral complex. It's not that far at all. So um, that was it. We spent two partial days in Pisa. Like I said, I think we got there around four and we left at four. So like 24 hours in Pisa. Um, great amount of time. Once again, you know, I'm sure we could have found other stuff to do there if we had spent more than a day. But for what we wanted to be there for, you know, one full day was perfect. Spending the night there, even 
more perfect. So definitely recommend that. If you take away anything from today's episode, I recommend spending the night in Pisa, booking your tickets for the um, Last Supper in Milan, like the second that they're released. Um, And yeah, spend a couple days in Venice and that's it. So anyways, that's today's episode. Um, like I said, I'll put out another episode for the next city, Florence. Um, hopefully in the next week or so. Florence was arguably, I don't even know. I cannot tell you if I liked Florence or Rome better. Based off of our trip, I probably liked Florence the most, but I could have spent ages in Rome and there's just so much to see there. Like I, I can't, I can't, I don't know. They're both amazing. So anyways, really excited to talk about Florence, really excited to talk about Rome. Those will be coming up soon. Um, if you you know have any comments, questions, leave them here, or you can check me out on Instagram, at Educate Your Travel. Um, if you'd like to see any pictures, I have a story on my page for my entire Italy trip and for every trip I've ever taken. Um, and then I also have just random pictures posted as well. Um, I always post a picture when I'm uploading a new episode. So if you have any questions or comments, uh, feel free to leave them on that um, post. And I'd love to talk to you and get back to you with any questions um, you might have. So thank you for listening today. And I can't wait to talk to you later. See you.